G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The writer to the Hebrews mentions several times that when Jesus ascended to heaven to commence his work as our high priest, he was seated at God's right hand. Now the significance of this may be seen in that the judge of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council of 70 elders, had a scribe seated at both his right hand and his left hand. The scribe on the left wrote the condemnations of those who were pronounced guilty. But the scribe on the right wrote the acquittals or the justification. And Jesus stated that he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Having forgiven us who believe in him all our sins through the offering up of himself to God, he is now seated at God's right hand as our high priest bearing testimony to our righteousness. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Hello and welcome to Set Free with author and speaker Ken Legg. And I'm Phil Edwards and this week we're looking at the subject of guilt, the number one killer. Now guilt is a very real issue to all of us at some stage or other. It's something we all have to learn to work through Now, yesterday we looked at uh, some of the wrong ways that people have attempted to deal with their guilt, and we finished up by saying that God's way of dealing with guilt is through the blood of Jesus. Now, Ken, let's expand on that a little bit today, shall we? Sure. Um, Look, God wants us not only to know that we're forgiven, but also to feel we're forgiven. I think a lot of people know it in their head, but they don't feel it in their heart. And the, the letter to the Hebrews is probably the best book in the Bible to thoroughly deal with this issue of forgiveness. Uh, it encourages us to go on to perfection. I don't know if you remember reading that 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 phrase in the book of Hebrews, mm. let us go on to perfection. Now, what does that mean? It's not talking about moral perfection. In fact, the word perfection in the Greek means to bring something into a state for which it was created. Now, of course, it's talking about us. Let us go on to perfection. Us go on to the state for which we were created. Created, yeah. exactly. So what was that state? Well, that state was that we would have a perfect relationship with God. We were created for communion with God. So if we were to go on to perfection in that respect, it would involve two things. Number one, from God's side, we must be convinced when we draw near to God that he's not thinking sin. Okay, There's no thought of our sin in his mind or in his heart because mm. then we would draw back, not draw near him. And then, of course, from our side, all consciousness of sin must be erased. You know, we must have an overwhelming sense of the righteousness that God has given to us, not not sin consciousness. So let's look at God's side first of all, Phil. Uh, what has God done in order to uh, remove any thought of sin, as it were, from, from himself? Well, he says, under the new covenant, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. That's what he promises. I won't even be thinking about sin when you draw near to me. So through the blood of Jesus, our sins have been entirely and eternally put out of God's sight and thought. His forgiveness of us, in fact, is so complete that he remembers our sin no more. I love that song. I think it's Audio Adrenaline singing. It talks about 
our sins being on the bottom of the ocean floor, you know, and they're going to stay there. Yeah. It's a long way down, and <laughs> there's a lot of weight sitting on top there. And that's yeah. exactly how God, you know, sees our sin. He doesn't. Yeah. They're, they're out of sight. They're he's forgotten them. Forever gone. Now, what does it mean, forgotten them? It doesn't mean, of course, that he's got a mental block out, as it were, of our sin, because God knows all things perfectly. But what it means is that he will never remember them against us again. Mm. You never bring them up uh, again, you know, in mention, uh, mentioning them to us. So if ever we feel guilty, Phil, we know that it's not from God. He's not the source of it. In fact, condemnation, we know, is never God's work. It's the work of the enemy. He's the uh, the accuser of the brethren. But it's not from God. I guess it's a bit like if you were uh, maybe sprung for stealing something from a shop and uh, you were brought before the shopkeeper. There was full knowledge that you were the one who, who stole that. The shopkeeper chose to forgive you, to restore relationship with you. Yeah. You could walk back into that shop with confidence knowing that the shopkeeper looks at you without seeing your former indiscretions. Right. And God sees us in the same kind of way, doesn't he? When yeah. when when he sees Jesus in us, yeah. when we accept the blood of Jesus and what he's done on the cross. Because in that same scenario, we have to accept. We can walk into the shop thinking that we are guilty when, in fact, the shopkeeper has forgiven us. But we have to accept what Jesus has done for us, don't we? Yeah, and I think that's what it is, Phil. It's an issue of belief or unbelief. You know, God really wants us to get it. He doesn't want us to walk around with sin consciousness. He wants us to have an overwhelming sense that we're righteous in the sight of God. And that's why I love the book of Hebrews. Uh, You know, there we see that um, the high priests would cleanse the Jewish tabernacle every year with blood because it was a meeting place between him and God. But then he goes on to explain that in a similar way, Jesus did that to heaven. Mm. Now, I've been asked the question, well, what did heaven need to be cleansed of? You know, and some people say, well, Satan needed to be cast out and all this sort of stuff. But Satan is not mentioned in the context of uh, the book of Hebrews there, you know, in, in this passage at all. What it's talking about is that it was cleansed of the record of our sin. There is no record of our sin even in heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ went there and cleansed it from any mm. kind of record of our sin. Isn't hit, that wonderful? Hit the delete button big time. <laughs> Spot on. I guess it's pretty true to say that, that many Christians feel that God is still kind of wanting to catch up with them, though, regarding their sins. You know, we, can, we can hear this about him blotting out the record of our sin, but we don't really, really get it. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, In fact, um, some believers uh, actually think that their sins will come up on the day of judgment. I've heard people talk in that context, you know, that they've got to account for this and they've got to account for that. They often quote that passage that I just referred to in Hebrews. Uh, It goes on to say, and as it is appointed for men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now, they stop there halfway through a sentence. It does say that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. It's almost like, now remember, you know, we're going to die once and then, We've got to go and be judged, and we're going to face this, and we're going to face that. Yep. But it goes on to say this. It's not a full stop. It's a comma. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So the, the writer here refers to the fact that all are destined to die, and the thing that makes death so terrifying is that it's followed by judgment at the end of the age. However... Since Christ has borne the sins of the believers at his first coming, when he returns at his second coming, it will be without any reference to sin. Why? Because he's dealt with the sin question. Rather, he's coming to bestow the full benefits of our salvation upon us. So without a doubt, God has done what he promised to do in the new covenant. 
He's completely eradicated the memory of our sins from his presence, never to mention them again. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think sometimes we uh, attribute to Jesus the work of the enemy, though, and the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Uh, He's the one who brings condemnation, but Jesus is the one who has dealt with our sins and as you talked about at the beginning of today's program, was now bearing testimony to our righteousness before the Father. We need to accept that fact. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mentioned in that uh, opening uh, talk about the Sanhedrin and about the scribe on the right hand of the Sanhedrin who was the one who justified the accused. He was writing down the record of their justification, their acquittal. Yeah. And uh, you remember Jesus once stood before the Sanhedrin himself? Yes, that's right. And he was asked if he was God's son. And when he replied that he was, he was charged with blasphemy and condemned to death by the council. And he told the high priest that day that the day would come when they would see the Son of Man, quote, sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, they knew full well what he was saying. What he was saying is one day they would face God with their sin and the only one that could save them would be the one who was seated at God's right hand the one that they were actually condemning mm. to death. You know, um, Paul said in Acts, he said he's appointed a day when he would judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained and he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So at the end of the age, all judgment will be in the jurisdiction of the Son, the one who has forgiven us, cleansed us, and he's the one that's at God's right hand right now and the only one who can either justify or condemn. Aren't we glad that he's going to be justifying us in that day and declaring our righteousness before the Father? We're out of time for today, but join us again tomorrow when we continue our discussion on guilt, the number one killer. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book New Covenant, New Glory, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.